0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a Tesla insider has details on not one, but two upcoming supercharging speed upgrades. The Model 3 is the world's best-selling EV for the fourth year in a row. The Fremont factory earns a notable achievement for 2021 and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you here for episode 340 of your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. It's Ride the Lightning for February 6th, 2022. Daisy the Boxer curled up in a little boxer ball on the couch to my left. Well, I want to start this podcast with some good news for fellow video game fans. Tesla will be featured in the upcoming PlayStation racing game Gran Turismo 7. If you are a video gamer, you're probably well aware of the Gran Turismo series. It's a big deal. It's been an excellent simulation racing series, very realistic for many years, uh, but they don't come around too often. The the gap between 6 and 7 has been many years. There was one sort of in-between game, Gran Turismo Sport, uh, uh, several years ago now. So this one's been a long time coming and Tesla will be included. Not sure which models yet, but the Tesla logo is included with a number of other brands in a new video for the game that came out this past week, which, if you're curious, will be out for PlayStation 4 and PS5. You don't need a PS5. It'll be best on a PS5, but it's either PS4 or PS5 that's out on March 4th. I want to give a shout-out to Dan Emerson and the Australian Tesla Owners Club, who I was chatting about this on Twitter with, when it broke this past week. I just love, I really, really love it when my video game and Tesla lives just get to organically intersect like that. It happens from time to time, sometimes in glorious and spectacular ways. Like when I was interviewing Elon Musk for episode 200 and he brought up Cuphead, which is a, a game that had been a big big deal on IGN, big deal Xbox exclusive, and, and he he, talk, he just brings it up in the interview I was like, what? Cuphead? I, I know the people that make Cuphead. I've interviewed them. So anyway, it is always fun when games and Tesla intersect and it will be fun to drive a Tesla in Gran Turismo 7. My guess is it's probably going to be uh, the P100D Model S maybe and or the Model 3 Performance and the reason I say that is is these games are done, uh, they're way, it's way in advance. I mean, games take a long time to make, Gran Turismo certainly takes a long time to make, uh, although the, the weight's always worth it, but, you know, it takes, the process of, of photographing the car, you know, recording all the audio, modeling the interior, modeling everything, and then, you know, programming it into the game, and bringing it to life in the game, it takes a while. So, uh, do, do, I would not expect the Cybertruck, I would not expect the Roadster, I would not even expect the Model S Plaid, because the Plaid just you know, just came out six or so months ago, so just to temper expectations, but it'll still be fun to drive a Tesla in a major, major simulation video game. Uh, also I wanted to mention real quick before I get going with the rest of the news that the new monthly bonus episode is up for those of you at the ludicrous tier of my Patreon or higher. That's the $10 per month tier. And again, that bonus episode is has changed format now. It's our one hour Tesla Zoom room hangouts uh, that, that I record with the Patreon backers. We just have an awesome time talking about everything going on with Tesla and what's going on with everybody's lives. It's always just it's just a fun hangout, and I've started recording them and offering those up as the monthly bonus episode uh, now. So that is there if you want to uh, jump on that patreon and if and if you're gonna join as a as a new Patreon member, you automatically get access to all of the back catalog as well. So you're not missing anything. You can go back and and get all that good stuff. If you're curious, to check out more. And again, I'll, I usually mention this at the end of the show, but I'll mention it now. I mean, Patreon, that is the way you can voluntarily support the podcast. I put a lot of time and effort and energy and research and enthusiasm and love and care. And I hope that shines through each and every week. I pride myself, you know, I, I never miss a week, Not on what? hopefully good health holds, but i have I've never missed a week. So if at some point you feel like uh, that I've earned your your uh, support and you want to back me on Patreon, you can do so on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There are different support levels. They each have different perks and bonuses. You'll see it when you get to the page. All right, first up this week, I actually want to start with a call from Bob from Austin, who just brings up, I think, a, a really important topic of discussion right now. So I'll let Bob take it from here.
1: Hi, Ryan. It's Bob from Austin. My question, should autonomous vehicles obey the law? More than that, how much should they prioritize safety over rider preferences? There's almost certainly will be regulations that will disca- dictate some of this. How to calling you after Tesla announced the rolling stop feature recently. But with the recent recall of that feature, I moved to make this call. <clears throat> we all easily rationalize breaking the law when we drive. Such situations as rolling to a stop sign when no one is coming or speeding when others around us are. But proactively programming such decisions into a computer controlling the car is the proverbial slippery slope. I don't have the answers, of course, and already there are studies on this from such organizations as the Institute, In- Insurance Institute for Highway Safety their 2020 report, which delves more deeply into accident causes and how autonomous vehicles could reduce those accidents. A simple solution is easy. Autonomous cars cannot be programmed to break the law. But it's more than that. Should a car slow down when it's dark or rainy? Should a car wait until a turning car in front of you has completely cleared the road before resuming full speed? Should there be an emergency override? There's a continuum from absolute safety to absolute driver convenience. And the point chosen on that range will affect us all differently. I'm calling just to participate in the discussion of early adopters, which is what Tesla drivers are, hoping that as we move into the future, the communication among the regulators, the manufacturers, and the users is mutually supportive and leads us to a much safer and enjoyable
0: future. Bob, great call here as always. And if you're not familiar with what Bob is referring to there, The FSD beta introduced a feature back in 10.7. 10.10 is rolling out now. I haven't received it yet myself, but it's just getting around, so it should be hitting every beta tester here before too long. And what I'm about to tell you is almost certainly why the rollout of 10.9 stopped very abruptly. And that feature allows you to set three different behavior styles for FSD beta, the most aggressive of which will actually roll through stop signs at something like two miles per hour if the cameras don't see any other cars or people around. Well, NHTSA, the NHTSA, seemingly just learned about this. You know, they didn't learn about it with 10.7, they just learned about it now and told Tesla to recall it, i.e. patch it out if you couldn't hear my air quotes on the word recall there. And so they, but they did issue a public recall notice, and 10.10 removes that feature. It also does add some other beta improvements. But it does lead to an interesting discussion here, Bob. And you're right that it's all about context. Because there's no clear right answer here, unless you're a person who strictly obeys the rules of the road to the letter of the law at all times, never going even one mile per hour over the speed limit or doing anything else that's not strictly in the books. And you can make that case in a legitimate way. I think, (laughs) to me, the more I thought about your call, Bob, and and this, this topic in general, I think the irony is, or at least I'd argue this and think it's funny, maybe it's not necessarily ironic, but that things like the FSD software rolling stop signs and other little things like that are technically violating the law, but they're actually only even there in the first place because there are other human drivers on the road that behave that way and that becomes a sort of normalized behavior. If every car was operating autonomously, and I'm not advocating for that necessarily, I do want a future in which I'm allowed to drive a car whenever I uh, drive a car manually whenever I want, but but if every car was operating autonomously, we could have every single car follow the rules of the road to the letter, never running a stop sign, and it'd be perfectly safe. You know, this this is going to be a debate for a long time to come. And there again, there I don't think there is a single right or wrong answer. We're just going to have to find a way to all agree as a society, both people and lawmakers, citizens and lawmakers, about how we want this autonomous movement that is inevitable. How we want this autonomous movement to happen, particularly here in the early going as autonomous cars will have to contend with manually driven ones on the roads for the foreseeable future. Bob, thank you so much for your call. I'll get to more Ride the Lightning Hotline calls later in the podcast, as always, and I'll give you the call-in information if you would like to call in yourself, so stay tuned for that later on. But let's get back to the news proper. Uh, The big story this week, in my eyes, Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt, who I've mentioned here before a number of times, is reporting that Tesla superchargers will get a maximum charging rate boost this year. He tweeted, quote, Tesla superchargers in North America to get a charging speed bump to 324 kilowatts from the 250 kilowatts they're at now later this year. 324 kilowatts is for V3 only, not V2, which obviously that makes sense. Then he says, then V4 will come soon after. So I will admit I was a bit hesitant to share this one only because Sawyer doesn't list any sources there, even the usual anonymous ones that have fed him information before. But specifically because his track record with these rumors has been pretty reliable and also because we have heard from both Elon and Tesla directly that speed boosts to charging would be coming, I felt good about discussing it here. So that said, and for, sort of on that note, you may remember Elon tweeting about this a while back. I looked it up. It was about six months ago when he said, quote, supercharger network is being upgraded to two, uh, from 250 kilowatts to 300 kilowatts, so that will help. That was in response to a, somebody's question, but uh, obviously. And, and if you remember farther back than that, In fact, I even went back and watched the video again because I I hadn't done so in a while. The Cybertruck reveal event back in November of 2019, uh, it was casually listed on one of the slides in the presentation that a 250 plus kilowatt uh, kilowatts was coming for supercharging, which Elon also referenced in his uh, speech there as well, his actual remarks. So, in short, we did know this was coming, but having these details from Sawyer is really interesting because it would seem that if Mr. Merritt is being fed good information here, and I have no reason to doubt him at this point, that 324 kilowatts would exceed even the 300 that Elon tweeted about six months ago, as I just read you, and and then... What will V4 be capable of? That uh, is really interesting to think about. Now, I presume V4 is probably going to be all new stalls, physical, all new stalls, not upgrades of the existing ones, in the same way that the V3 stalls are physically new stalls compared to the V2s. So there, there are V2 stations, there are V3 stations, there are some that are a hybrid. They're a mix of V2s and V3s. All the new stations, obviously, everything that's been built in the last, gosh, what, couple years now, really, is a V3. And so at some point, perhaps uh, this year, it sounds like, it's gonna. we're going to be moving to V4, and the V3s will probably stop getting rolled out, and all the new stuff will be V4s. So the big question is the same question asked twice. (laughs) Once for this V3 upgrade and once for V4. And that question is this, which, if any, current Teslas on the road today will be able to take full advantage of it? Now, as we apply that question to the 324 kilowatt V3 upgrade, certainly the odds on favorite vehicles to be able to utilize that are the new S and the new X? They've got that revised 18650 battery chemistry. We know they have advanced thermal systems that are really, really good at managing battery heat. Like you know, the, how the Plaid can just make zero to sixty runs over and over and over without suffering any performance loss, as the previous performance models used to. So that that would seem to be a logical fit. The new S and the X, you got to figure those were designed with this supercharging upgrade in mind. Again, at least this 324 kilowatt supercharging upgrade. I think the 3 and the Y, at this point, I mean, they're both running what is effectively four-year-old battery and thermal technology. But the Model Y 2.0 that's going to start delivering out of Austin in the next couple of months, that one may very well be able to take advantage of this also, given those new 4680 battery cells. And for the V4, again, if we ask the question again, in reference to the V4 supercharging that Merritt says will will come, quote, soon after the V3 upgrade, well, since it is supposedly coming soon, I would have to imagine that the V4s are going to be for any and all 4680 based cars, meaning the Texas Model Y, the Cybertruck, and the Roadster. Obviously, the Tesla Semi will have its own uh, version of supercharging in the form of mega charging. So you will not see a Tesla Semi pulling up to a vanilla uh, regular supercharging station anymore. I mean, the prototypes do now, uh, or they, they have up to the point now that they're actually building mega chargers, but anyway, you get what I'm saying. So, uh, I think the new S and the X as part of that, as far as V4 goes, I would lean towards probably on those. Cause again, they are the flagship vehicles. Tesla knows what the supercharging roadmap looks like. So I I think the new S and the X are pretty solid candidates, but I think the 4680 vehicles will have, those will be the ones that are like a lock, like pretty much a sure thing. And then the new S and the X are, I would lean towards yes, but not necessarily bet lunch on it. (laughs) would be my take on it right there? Um, I'll tell you just as a final point on this, seeing a new S, whether it's a new S or a model, you know, a 4680 based uh, vehicle plug in for even just the three, forget about the V4 for a second, but the V3 upgrade, the 324 kilowatts, seeing a new S or a a Model Y 2.0 plug in and and, uh, do a charge session, that should be impressive to watch because if the plaid can get about 180 miles of range in 15 minutes of V3 supercharging on the existing 250-kilowatt V3 chargers, it should do a good bit better on, if you'll allow me to call it this, the 3.5 supercharger. I mean, maybe those same 180 miles come in 10 minutes instead of 15, or if you want to keep it apples to apples... Maybe in 15 minutes, it's 200 plus miles of range in that time. But suffice it to say, I will be keeping a very close eye on this one because one way or the other, it affects every single one of us. No matter what Tesla you're driving, uh, there will be relevance to what you know to, to how this is going to end up shaking out in the end. But exciting news here. Speaking of exciting news. The Model 3 was the best-selling electric vehicle in the world for the fourth year in a row. This story comes via Clean Technica, uh, who points out very smartly that uh, this will be the Model 3's, probably going to be the Model 3's last year at the top of this list, which I'll get to in a second. But Clean Technica writes, after a strong start of the year, the second half of 2021 brought a record for world EV sales, with three record months in the last four setting new sales records. December was one of them with over 900,000 total EV registrations and Model 3 was number 1 with 500,000 713 new registrations. That's in that's in the year. That's not just December. And if you if you're curious about the rest of the top 10, it is this. So you've got the Model 3 at uh, just over 500,000 you have a chinese built ev called the wuling hongwang mini ev which i googled and it's a very very tiny little little uh, city car at 424000 and change then number 3 worldwide the model y at 410000 and change the volkswagen id4 then uh, after the top 3 it just goes off a cliff the, uh, so the again four hundred ten thousand plus for the Y, the VW ID. Four one hundred twenty one thousand. So it's, you know it's a strong showing, and I think the ID. Four only started just started delivering earlier this uh, last year, so it didn't even have a full year. So uh, and then it goes on to the rest of the top ten is all is all Chinese made EVs. So very cool stuff there, and again uh, talking about Clean Technica's point the, about the Model 3's Uh, rain at the top of this list coming to an end, because as you're all probably no doubt thinking right now, it's going to be overtaken by the Model Y. Because uh, as we know, the Y will soon be built at four factories around the world versus the Model 3, which will continue to be built at two factories around the world, and Elon has said that he believes the Model Y could be the best-selling car in the world, period, EV or not, as early as this year, or perhaps next. Bottom line, though, congratulations to Tesla for a fourth straight gold medal on this podium, and for taking two of the top three spots with the three and the Y as well they they may very well grab one and two gold and silver next year if uh, the Model 3 can hang on to second place as the Y will no doubt overtake everything for first place you know i think it'll be interesting to see where the crop of electric pickup trucks ends up on this list once they all get their production ramped up over the next 2 3 years it's not going to be an overnight thing they've all got to get ramped but I mean we already know that Tesla intends for a run rate of about a quarter million Cybertrucks per year. Ford is saying that they are ramping towards 150,000 F150 Lightnings per year as they've continued to up their forecasts seeing big demand on the Lightning which is great. And hopefully the Hummer EV now that's a that's a very expensive vehicle on purpose. So that may not necessarily be a volume seller, but the Rivian R1T, and also don't sleep on the the R1S, the SUV that's going to be built on the same platform, hopefully those are going to crack somewhere near the top of this chart in the coming years as well. But the EV revolution is well underway at this point, which is just great to see. Next up this week... Tesla's Fremont factory was the most productive car factory in the United States in all of 2021. This story comes from Tesla Roddy, but via Bloomberg, new data from Bloomberg states that Tesla's Fremont factory in Northern California was the most productive automotive plant in the United States, outpacing 70 other plants in the country. Last year, Tesla's Fremont factory averaged a weekly production pace of 8,550 vehicles. That's about 1,221 cars per day, 51 cars per hour, hour, or about 0.85 cars per minute. For comparison, Toyota's plant in Georgetown, Kentucky built 8,427 cars per week, so pretty close. BMW's facility in South Carolina managed 8,343 per week, And Ford's Dearborn, Michigan hub managed 5564 vehicles weekly. All figures were provided by Bloomberg. Well, Tesla may still be a relatively low-volume manufacturer compared to its bigger competitors, both foreign and domestic, I should add. But it's for now. (laughs) For now is the key qualifier that you have to add on there what with only having, as I just got done talking about, two factories operational, uh, soon to be four with two of those in the United States, which I guess that would be the apples to apples comparison here uh, since the we're talking U.S. only. But this is still one of those big picture bits of context that really puts Tesla's growth and success into perspective a little bit. It, when, when I read it, when I think about it, I mean, it really shows you how Tesla has successfully navigated their growing pains and they've, they've achieved this. They have successfully transitioned from a low volume luxury EV car maker for a little context here at Tesla's peak in the pre model three days, they did 103,000 S's and X's combined in 2017. Which technically the Model 3 had launched in 2017, but they only delivered like a couple thousand threes that year at most. You know, that was the very beginning of of what proved to be, as we all know, a very, very difficult production ramp for the three. But uh the but the fact is they've now they've successfully navigated. Again, they've made that transition from that low-volume luxury EV car maker into the rapidly growing mass-market, high-volume automaker that they are and they are continuing to become today. Uh, One that, by the way, just delivered almost a million cars in 2021 and will, barring any horrible world circumstances, blow past that by about 50% this year in 2022. So congratulations to everyone at Tesla who has worked so hard in their various disciplines, their various fields, to earn that achievement last year. Next up this week, Tesla China is now delivering the Model 3 Performance with a new feature, heated wipers. I want to say thank you to Drive Tesla Canada and also Tesla Scope for posting this. It has been confirmed via a screenshot of the HVAC UI from a Model 3 Performance in China that that those P3Ds, as I used to call them, of the Model 3 now have a heated wiper feature, meaning just to clarify here, the base of the windshield where the wipers sit when they're not being used, that area is heated. It's not the literal wipers themselves that are heated, but the end result is exactly what you'd expect, and that would be windshield wipers that can better glide over the surface of the glass in very cold conditions. If you've been following Tesla for a long time, as I have, or I suppose you really haven't even had to have been following them for that long. I mean, the fact is, it's pretty evident after a short amount of time keeping an eye on this company that Tesla vehicles evolve very quickly. not And, and not being beholden to the typical model year cadence of you know only making feature changes once per year certainly helps that it's and it it helps the percept not just the reality but also the perception of that pace of of improvement and pace of change as well but my point here is uh just kind of an interesting comparison because this this story made me think about this the model s changed hyper fast over the years i mean crazy fast within calendar years within model years but you know the Model 3 by comparison has not really changed anywhere near as much just by comparison but still I I thought it would be fun to go back and and make a list here of what hardware changes have been added to the 3 since it initially went into production back in summer of 2017. I'm going to leave out new software features on this list things like sentry mode and the blind spot cameras. Uh, that we just got, because software, you know, that's a different animal. I'm talking hardware features that cannot be added to an older car. And here's what's been added over the course of the Model 3's lifetime. And by the way, if I'm missing one, feel free to email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. But the list I came up with is the heated windshield wipers that I just got done telling you about, heated steering wheel, power rear liftgate, wireless charging pad in the center console for Qi-compatible devices, a revised MCU, a.k.a. MCU 3, and matrix-based LED headlights. So, I mean, right there, that's six new hardware features that have a tangible, noticeable day-to-day effect on your usage of the car over the past four and a half years. So, again, you know, even if the 3 has evolved much more slowly than the S by comparison, it still added some nice stuff over the last several years. Uh, All right, one more story for you this week, and that is this. Tesla white hat hacker Jason Hughes, a different white hat hacker. I I think I may have mentioned Jason once or twice over the years. His Twitter handle is WK057, if you're curious. He's He's been in the community for a long time. And uh, the reason I preface it that way is to say this. Jason is now offering warranties, battery warranties on pre-2017 Model S's. He has a company, 057, excuse me, try that again, 057 Technology and uh, 057 Technology's Tesla Model S high voltage battery service plans with monitoring. This includes pack service and replacements, pack replacements for covered failures, a monitoring device to catch issues early, which is required, and the plans start at $1,799. You can check your VIN to see if you're eligible at warranty.057tech.com. And again, I mention this uh, because Jason has a lot of credibility in the community over the years. And and really, this is great to see from the community. I mean, not just, yes, Jason specifically, but just stuff like this from the Tesla community because there are people out there with the skills and the expertise to be able to do something like this and it helps support those folks that are out of warranty. And as the Tesla fleet grows, stuff like this is going to become, in my opinion, more and more important and valuable to keeping not just Teslas, but EVs in general, a more viable and trusted source of information. What we don't want to see is for EVs that are out of warranty to suddenly become these, like, you know, just undesirable things, like the, the automotive equivalent of persona non grata, automobilia non grata, I guess. That's definitely wrong. I definitely, that's not the right term, but <laughs> it's, that's the first thing that came to mind. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, the the fact is too, technology is moving so quickly in the EV space. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you already have seen that just from hearing about everything going on with Tesla week in and week out and how quickly things move. Uh, and, and this, so I think this kind of service, this legacy post warranty community kind of support I think it really matters, and and I'll tell you, it reminds me of my DeLorean days. Obviously, the DeLorean's not an electric vehicle, but it does remind me of my DeLorean days because in a sense, the older Teslas are kind of like DeLorean's orphaned cars because Tesla doesn't really know what to do with them in, in certain cases and in certain cases doesn't even necessarily want to deal with them as the fleet continues to grow and, and Tesla, as I just noted, continues to move on to the latest and greatest thing. So I want to say kudos to Jason Hughes here. I wish him the best of luck. And if anybody out there listening to this decides to sign up for this warranty service that Jason is offering, I would be curious to hear about your experience Uh, Oh, you know what? One more, sorry, one more super quick note this week. Just wanted to take a a quick note that Tesla's pilot program to allow non-Tesla vehicles to use the supercharger network has expanded. It has now moved into France as well, which I suspect then the test must be going reasonably well if they're expanding the rollout now past Norway and the Netherlands, and out into another country in the form of France as well. So at this point, it's almost uh, starting to wonder, how long is it going to be before this reaches the United States? We shall see. That is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week, but stick with me. I am far from done yet. I've got your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls coming up right after this.
2: This is
1: Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out.
0: As promised, it's time for the Ride the Lightning hotline, your chance to call in with your Tesla questions, comments, and discussion topics. If you'd like to do so, I welcome you, I invite you There are two easy ways to participate. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90-second or less call and actually leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's pretty simple. Toll-free number, dial it up anytime anytime. 1-888-989-8752 one 989 8752 Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Here's Jonathan in England up first.
3: Hi, Ryan. This is Jonathan in England. Just to um, uh,
0: set the record straight, you mentioned in the earnings call that
3: uh, LFP batteries are only fitted in the Model 3. That's not entirely correct. In China, they are fitting them
0: in Model Ys as well. My wife has just bought a Model Y in China, standard range, And it is fitted with
3: LFP batteries. Incidentally, it is also black, which is the standard color in China as well. Just thought I'd let you know. Enjoying the
0: show. Cheers. Bye for now. Jonathan, thank you for your call as always. You are correct here. I did think about the standard range Model Y in China when I did the podcast uh, last week when I said that, but as it turns out, your call inspired me to check. I got my facts mixed up a little bit. Tesla did discontinue the standard range Model Y in China, but they replaced it with a base rear wheel drive Model Y with noticeably worse acceleration, 6.9 seconds to 60 versus the outgoing uh, standard range is 5.6, which is, as uh, you've probably gathered, as <laughs> it is indicative, indeed, of an LFP battery. So thank you for correcting me on that. I am always happy to be corrected. I want to make sure I'm getting accurate information out there and just uh, having more knowledge myself and more accurate knowledge. Next is Chris from Orlando. Go ahead, Chris. This is Chris from Orlando calling in response to Chris from Chicago's question last week about the Tesla safety score and being able to disable it in order to go to the track. And it seems to me that uh, the point of the safety score is to identify risky drivers. And if you're going to the track, wouldn't that mean you're a riskier driver and should pay more for insurance in general? Would love to hear your opinion from that perspective, love the show, thanks. I appreciate the call, Chris, and to be honest, I'm not sure if I agree or disagree with you. I see where you're coming from, uh, for sure. But on the flip side, someone that takes their car to the track may very well have taken professional driving courses and spent a lot of time reviewing the safety features of both their car and the track. If you made me a car insurance agent, And told me to insure someone and said, I'm going to give you two people. Would I give the lower rate to a random Tesla owner or somebody that does a lot of track days? And I'll, I'll have to say I might choose the track driver. Honestly. Now I'm sure I have insurance agents in the audience right now that are either nodding along with me or they're like screaming at, at the device they're listening to this on (laughs) saying how wrong I am. But uh, the the bottom line, I hope we learn the official answer to the question here someday of how or if Tesla even factors this in with Tesla Insurance. Next is Lawton from Chicago with some thoughts about the Model Y 2.0 going nationwide rather than just in Texas. Go ahead, Lawton.
4: Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to get your thoughts on Tesla will transition Model Y production to using the structural battery pack. I placed my reservation for a 7-seat Model Y in 2019 and been doing my best to hold off for one, with Tesla recently requiring me to take delivery in the near future. In the past, Tesla has only had a single version of each vehicle in a market at a time. Given that the current Model Y is hitting its production stride and being manufactured in large quantities, this will likely be a unique challenge. I think one approach Tesla may take is ramp production on the current Model Y in January, then retool giga factories in both Fremont and Shanghai in early February for the structural barrier pack version. This time would minimize impact on total vehicle deliveries. It coincides with the Lunar New Year holiday on February 1st, a normal production hiatus in China, with a holiday for many workers lasting one to two weeks. This will allow time early in the quarter for current vehicles to be shipped to international markets, giga factories Texas and Berlin be able to gradually run production of the structural backpack version, followed by Freeman Shanghai, and still be able to deliver these vehicles locally by the end of the quarter. Keeping all my fingers crossed, that will take delivery of Model Y 2.0. Thanks as always for the enthusiasm and joy you provide to the Tesla community. Look forward to your thoughts.
0: Lawton, I know you've been holding off as long as you can on your order, and Tesla is now on you to take delivery of your seven-seater at this point, so... I am rooting for you to get that Model Y 2.0. The good news is that being in the Chicago area, you are likely to get a Texas-built vehicle, and your theory on the retooling in Fremont and Shanghai is an interesting one. I, you know, I hadn't considered the Lunar New Year, but that could indeed be a good time to do it. I mean, I guess if that's the case, we'll hear about it real soon, or maybe we would have, so I'm not sure, but... It, it does feel too early here in the u.s to do this but tesla's gonna have to rip that band-aid off sometime right and so why not sooner rather than later let's see how this shakes out thanks for your call next up cody in tennessee
5: ryan cody in tennessee again hope you've been doing well celebrating one month of ownership of my tesla Model 3 performance today uh put about a 1,000 miles on it already, which is way above average for what I was driving with my ICE vehicle that I sold to get this car. I was putting about 4,000 miles a year on average since 2014 on that car and trending well above that already with the Tesla. And I guess that's what happens when you really like to drive the car. Uh, But just loving it uh, and uh, looking forward to many more years of ownership of this vehicle. Hey, my call today is about Sonic the Hedgehog. I was kind of disappointed to see after a couple of updates since the holiday update that I've not gained Sonic the Hedgehog as one of the playable games in the car. It's not a big deal, but it's something that I was excited about. And I did some just Googling online and had seen that um, some people believe it's because of the functionality of the USB ports on the uh on the on recent, I guess, December-delivered Model 3s or even Model Ys, that they are just capable of charging, not capable of actually transmitting data. I wasn't sure if you'd heard anything about that or if that's something that you've heard, whether that's something Tesla intends to to update or retrofit. Um, so any information you have would be appreciated. Uh, thanks for everything you do, and talk soon. Thanks.
0: Interesting, Cody. This is the first time I'm hearing of it, and it's good to know about. Considering that gaming has been something that Tesla clearly cares about, it would seem like a heck of an oversight in the newer cars to leave them incapable of connecting controllers. I mean, the new S and the new X are going to be getting an update at some point in order to enable Bluetooth controller usage, but to my knowledge, that's not something that's coming for the 3 and the Y. Unless maybe it is on the back of the MCU 3, maybe? But... Then again, you're in that in-between window where your 2022 model probably doesn't have the new Ryzen APU in it, the MCU3. I've got Sonic the Hedgehog in my 2018 Model 3 for whatever it's worth. I did double check, but I'll keep my ear to the ground for any information on this. And thank you so much for your call. Next up, let's talk to Joe from Western Virginia.
1: Hello, Ryan. This is Joe from Western Virginia. I'm going to ask you if you or other fellow Tesla owners have heard about the process for taking your Tesla overseas, more precisely to Europe. To my job, I'm going to be moving to Europe, and I would like to take my 2018 long-range Model 3 with me. I'm wondering if there is a the formal Tesla process to do this. Among other things, I was thinking getting a CCS converter for charging, but I'm not sure if supercharging will work just like that over Europe. Or how about cellular connectivity? Um, I'm not sure if I can switch to the same car or something along those lines. Bottom line, I want to avoid having to sell my car here in the U.S. and then having to pay extra to buy one in Europe. Looking forward for your comments. Please keep up with the good work. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, Joe, thank you for your call. I'm going to be honest with you here. I don't know the answer to this one. It's a great question, even if it probably doesn't come up too often, but you're certainly not the first person to have ever been in this position. As you know and noted, the proprietary Tesla connector is not the one used over in Europe. I would suggest going to a Tesla showroom or a service center and try speaking to a manager there about it, and just maybe, hopefully, They can escalate it to corporate or to the engineering team, to somebody, to see uh, if there's anything that Tesla themselves can do to help you here, including allowing your car to connect to the cellular network over there. I know you said you're in West Virginia, and after double-checking, I do see that there, unfortunately, are no showrooms or service centers in your state But if you're in range and or willing to make the drive at some point, it does look like you have several in most of your neighboring states. I would also like to ask for the audience's help on this one. If anybody has been through this process, I would very much appreciate either a call or an email so that I can try to help Joe and pass the information along to the rest of the Ride the Lightning audience in case this comes up for anybody else. As well. Regardless, Joe, good luck to you. Next up, Bill from Wisconsin talking Cybertruck.
2: Hey, Ryan. It's Bill in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. So, with all of the Cybertruck imagery that's come out this week in advance of the Giga Texas earnings call on Wednesday, my wife and I watched it. As you recall, we have one on order for her. And a question came up. Some other YouTubers have talked about this, and I'm wondering if you have an opinion. One of the things that many pickup truck owners do in our part of the country is they put snow plows on the front of their pickup trucks. Um, you know, we can get several feet of snow throughout the course of a winter. And I actually have a blade on the front of my tractor, but the Cybertruck with its nice weight, excellent traction plus the all wheel drive and then the weight of the battery. I mean, that, that it would just be so stable and the high torque of the electric motor would make for a fantastic plowing. Obviously, that's going to be a third party add-on, but the question is how easy is Tesla going to make it for that to happen? Case in point, I owned a 2004 and a 2010 Prius before I got my Model 3. And for both of those, I bought aftermarket trailer hitch kits that I installed myself. The Prius had bolt holes in the frame on the back of the car where you could hook in the receiver hitch. And they actually, it came with bolts in those threaded holes so that those threaded holes wouldn't rust. There was nothing else being held onto the car with that. It was just those bolts and those holes. So when I installed the aftermarket hitch, it literally took me about 15 minutes. All I had to do was take out those bolts um, and then bolt the aftermarket hitch into place. Will they do the same sort of thing for Cybertruck, putting a plow on the front of it? That's my question. As always, thanks for everything you do, and hello from our puppies to your puppy.
0: Hey Bill, well obviously at this stage, I don't know any more than anybody else does, but given the clear post-apocalyptic utilitarian focus of the Cybertruck, I would be stunned if Tesla doesn't take something like this into consideration. I also completely agree with you that it's certainly gonna be a third-party solution, And you are absolutely right that the Cybertruck is going to make the best civilian snowplow on the road for all the reasons that you mentioned. I'll tell you, if I was a third-party Tesla aftermarket accessories vendor, I would be getting my ducks in a row to try and hit the ground running with that product as soon as the first truck ships and you can get your final measurements. Uh, And I have no doubt that there's at least one company out there that's probably already doing that. How could there not be? There are enough of these aftermarket, awesome options with with uh, Tesla aftermarket accessories that there are. They've got their ear to the ground. These folks are these folks are ready. So, uh, good stuff, Bill. Next, Brad from Minnesota.
3: Hey, Ryan, it's Brad from Minnesota calling. I just have to call about this because it's happened like three or four times today. But the scenario is, I'm listening to a podcast. I pull up to a gas station to get a drink, by the way, not gas, of course. I walk inside, I come back in, the podcast is supposed to you know, pause and then play where I left off when I get back in the car, and about 30% of the time I get back in the car, it continues to play the podcast, and then it will, for some reason, revert to the very first podcast of that entire episode or that entire program.
0: I don't know why it does that. It's so frustrating. I'm not sure if anyone else is experiencing that, but it happens a lot. So
3: anyway, thanks a lot, Ryan.
0: Have a great day. Take care. Hey, Brad. Well, as a fellow Tesla owner, I empathize with you on this, but as a podcaster who wants people to listen to his podcast in their Teslas and have a good experience doing so, I am extra sorry to hear this. I mean, you're not the first person to report this, uh, I think it is a widely known issue right now. So the good news with that is hopefully Tesla is already well aware of it and working on a fixed Fing- uh, fingers crossed that it will not be too long until it's all working properly. Once again, one more call this week. It comes from Andres in Miami.
3: Hi Ryan, this is Andres from Miami, um, wanted to ask a question regarding the latest software. I have a 10.8, received the holiday version of the software back in late December uh, with the new UI or the improved UI. So when you click the uh, voice button on the steering wheel on a Model 3, I have a Model 3 Performance and you request a song before the update, it would pick up your preferred media option. So in my case was Spotify. After that, after the uh, the actual update, now it goes automatically default to streaming. So when you're requesting a song, you might not really necessarily have that song available in streaming, so I have to go back, open up Spotify and do the search that way. Would really like to know if anybody out there has seen an option to disable, uh, streaming, just like we had in our previous version that you would basically disable whichever media you were not using. That way, the option of utilizing the voice control Um, while doing a search for a song, uh, can uh, bring up, in my case, Spotify or for other Tesla owners, maybe Tidal or or whatever the preference is. Would love to hear your thoughts or if you've heard anything around that. uh, Appreciate all you do. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much.
0: Andres, great to hear from you. I confess I did not even know about this because I've just always used Slacker in my car. I am happy to throw this one out to the audience, though, to see if anybody out there does happen to have a helpful suggestion, and if it turns out there isn't one, hopefully somebody from the Tesla software team will hear this and make note of it for a future update, because stuff like this can slip through the cracks when you're doing a major UI revamp, so want to get that fixed, get that improved. Thank you so much for your call. Thanks to everybody for taking the time to call in. Again, I welcome and invite you to call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. Participate and hear yourself on the podcast. I love it when I get to hear from the Ride the Lightning community here. I gave you the dial-in information back at the top of the segment. Stick with me, though. I am not done yet. I've got your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up next. Well, not too much up with me and my car this week. I am eagerly awaiting the full self-driving beta version 10.10 to see what functional improvements, day-to-day improvements. I've looked at the release notes. It should be a nice a uh, nice step forward, but I'm certainly curious to experience that for myself. Hopefully that will get pushed to my car fairly soon. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out real quick to America's Tire. That's who I had to do my tire repair service. I had bought the tire warranty from those guys after going through. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I have been plagued isn't the right word. I would say haunted by tire issues on my car. Just living in San Francisco, uh, the performance version, 20-inch, low-profile tires. It all adds up. I've had a a bad time when it comes to tires, but uh, America's Tires taking good care of me uh, and when I had my flat repaired last week, which I told you about, I got home and I cleaned the car the next day. Car needed a wash. And I noticed that the rim was, like, sticking out, like, noticeably compared to the other three tires. And, oh, okay, I guess they just didn't quite mount the tire properly. So I took it back this week and unannounced, you know, no no appointment. I just happened to be down in the neighborhood for something. And I will say, to their credit, they were busy, but they they, they were immediately, uh, just apologetic and said, yep, we'll get you right in get you taken care of, get the tire taken care of. And that is all good now. So I appreciate that kind of service because you know, I know I'm coming in. It's like, I'm, you know, it's, they're, they're busy and I'm not spending any money. It's just, I'm just looking to get this, uh, tire, you know, effectively moved on the wheel by half an inch, maybe something like that. But they got it done, and I do appreciate that. Hey, uh, an entertainment recommendation for this week. I'm going to dig into the archives a little bit. This is something that's quite old at this point, what a good eight to ten years, something like that, but I was I started to re-watch this recently and really enjoyed it. It's on uh, well, I guess it's on I don't know where you get it anymore. I got sim- it's definitely on HBO, HBO Max, but it's uh, Foo Fighters, Sonic Highways. They'd shot, the, the band Foo Fighters had shot an eight-episode series going where they went from city to city making an album and sort of using each city as inspiration for a, for a song on the album. Really interesting, really compelling stuff, and the songs are great, too. So if you haven't seen that, it's pretty cool. Check it out. Sonic Highways on HBO. Maybe you can get it from other places as well but that's uh that's where it's definitely watchable on there. How about a pro tip of the week? It's from Jay in Chicago. Go ahead, Jay.
3: Hey Ryan, this is Jay from Chicago. I have something bit of a pro tip. So, you know how when you push the wiper button, it makes the wipers go and then you can pick your speeds or automatic. So, I noticed something that if you flash your high beams, it brings up a similar menu with a light setting shortcut in the same spot where your wipers would be, and it brings up a little menu where you can toggle your high beams, whether it's automatic or otherwise, and then your light settings for off, parking on, or auto. So I that was a fun little pro tip for when you toggle your uh, high beams. Thanks. Bye.
0: That is a really good one, Jay. I didn't know that. So I'm happy to add that to my Tesla knowledge base and put it out there for your fellow owners to do the same. Thank you very much for that one. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting, something not obvious about the Teslas that you'd like to share with your fellow owners, you can call in with that the same way that you dial in to the regular Ride the Lightning Hotline segment of the show. And with that, Let me say hello and thank you to the patrons as well as some friends of Ride the Lighting. I will start with abstractocean.com. You want to go over there, you want to take a look, maybe you browse by car, whichever Tesla you have, it'll list all the accessories that abstractocean.com has for that car, whether it's the rear footwell lighting kit the drop-in cupholder stabilizer, which is a nice little thing, the new fourth-generation tempered glass screen protector that uses the same stuff that Corning uses for their Gorilla Glass. All of that and so much more is on abstractocean.com. Pile everything that you like into your online shopping cart, then use the coupon code RTLpodcast at checkout, to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word. Thank you to abstractocean.com for continuing to extend that courtesy to the Ride the Lightning audience. Next up, the Snap Plate, which you can get at everyamp.com slash RTL. Don't forget the slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds, it does not use automotive adhesive, aka tape, the way that the one that Tesla gives you does, it's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe, nice clean minimalist design, it can come off easily, if you're washing the car, detailing the car, uh, it can go back on, if you're going to be parked at a parking meter or going through a toll bridge or you know a bridge or a toll road. Get yours for any of the four Teslas at everyamp.com slash RTL. How about uh, Immaculate Reflections? If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and you'd like to treat your car to a nice day at the spa, you want to take it to Immaculate Reflections, whether you're doing paint correction, get that paint finish looking better than ever, better than factory new, I promise you. Uh, Maybe you want to do a paint protection film package, either the front of the car or even the whole thing potentially, or maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Maybe you want to do a combination or all of that. Whatever it is, go to IRdetailing.com, and when you get in touch with Immaculate Reflections, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener And there's a nice little discount waiting for you there. Next is Budget Safe Solar. If you're considering solar for your home or business, of course you're going to check out Tesla Energy. But also reach out to Budget Safe Solar as well. They're a good friend of the show, and their deal is a simple one. They will take the time to understand your specific situation, kind of like a real estate agent. You tell them what you want, they're going to help you find the best match for what you're looking for They're independent consultants So they've got plenty of solutions And they operate in all 50 states As well as Puerto Rico So odds are they're going to be able to help you out Contact them as well If you're interested in joining the growing solar industry So learn more Reach out at BudgetSafeSolar.com Referral code RTL How about PureTesla.com Slash RTL The one-stop shop for all your dash cam and sentry mode needs. $49 will get you the 128 gigabyte micro SD based kit. That's what's in my car. I am a fan. I'm a a definite uh, believer in this product. PureTesla.com slash RTL. It's going to take the daily reading and writing over and over again that the dash cam and sentry mode require without Failure or degradation there's if you want to step up though for 69 bucks there's a 256 gigabyte kit and they also sell if this is of interest nice like low profile kind of I'd call them as I've said on the on the podcast before Super Nintendo controller inspired game controllers for your Tesla as well so you can get all that stuff at puretesla.com/ rtl. Meanwhile, JaDA. My friends at Jada have a number of great Tesla accessories, most notably for the newer Model 3s and Model Ys, the Jada USB hub console. It's a storage organizer, a USB hub, an Apple Watch charger, and an AirPod charger all in one. They also sell the Jada tray, I've got that in my car. It is a tech-focused center console organizer. It's drop-in, no tools required. Good stuff there, and if you've got an older Model 3 like I do, I highly, highly recommend the version 4 wireless charging pad for your center console. Also no tools required to install that. It's going to give you nice, uh, very OEM factory looking and functioning wireless charging capability for your smart, smartphone. So uh, to get any of that stuff, go to getjada.com ref slash eight. That slash ref slash eight is critical because for full transparency, uh, if you do buy anything there, they're gonna throw a couple bucks my way if you use that URL. In return for you using that URL, which I realize is a slightly annoying URL, I'll give you a coupon code RTL for a nice discount from Jada. Uh, I mentioned the podcast at the top, patreon.com slash Podcast. I will thank the uh, patrons in just a minute at the plaid and higher levels. But before I do, I'll mention my podcast email address. If you'd like to uh, get in touch with me via email, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle, if you'd care to follow me on either of those social media networks. I'm DMC underscore Ryan. And uh, finally, you can subscribe to slash follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. That doesn't cost anything. It's just the terminology they use. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in and Spotify, those two are natively in your car, so you can get them that way. I'm also on YouTube in audio only form. Trust me, you don't want to see this face. I promise you. That's why there's there's no there's no need for video on this. I promise. Audio is the way to go, but you can listen on YouTube if you just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You'll find my channel. Subscribe, no problem. Done, nice and easy. And with that. Let me indeed thank those wonderful plaid, maximum plaid, and roadster in space tier backers. I will start with the roadster in space crew. Thank you so much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. Meanwhile, the Plaid-level supporters, a huge thanks goes out to all of you as well. They are George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, and T. Kirk Lowry. Finally, let me say thank you as well to The Maximum. Plaid backers who, by the way, we are having our February, uh, Zoom room hangout coming up this weekend. It'll actually have, it'll have already happened by the time most of you hear this. It's happening on Saturday, which is my tomorrow. And it's for you. It's probably a day or two ago, but I'm looking forward to that. So everybody in the Maximum Plaid group is invited to that every month. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Siri, Stan Roth, nope, sad. nope, Siri, Siri, nope, we're not, I don't know why you thought you were being talked to there, no, Stan Roth, not Siri, Siri is not a plaid, or maximum plaid tier supporter, uh, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Cos Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hey Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nessel wrote Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tom, did you get your Model S yet? I am uh, <laughs> poor Tom has been in limbo for quite a while. Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith. Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, Aaron, John Cody, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, and Paul Casarino. Thanks to all of you very much for your very generous Patreon support at those Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier levels. You do make a, a wonderful and very appreciated difference in the lives of of me and my family. With that, we wrap up Ride the Lightning episode 340. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, This was a fun one for me, a lot of fun topics to discuss this week, lots of good news to go over. But there's plenty more next week. As always, I will always be here for you every Sunday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. So until then, happy electric motoring.